If you've been thinking about accelerating your growth and looking for some outside the box strategies, today's session is really going to hit home for you. We're going to focus on using acquisitions to actually accelerate your growth. I want to kick things off by talking about my top three things that are the most important to evaluate a company. And then we'll get into some other areas as well. But the top three are there for a reason. And I'm just going to dive right in. Number one, you want to make sure that the company you're acquiring brings customers to the table. You want to make sure that they've actually done work. They have clients. Now, can you buy a company that doesn't have any customers or doesn't have any current customers? You can, but you shouldn't pay a lot for that company. I've actually seen in the recent years, a handful of my clients buy companies that were really just buying employees. They had one or two employees. They didn't have any work, but they were like, hey, we want the capabilities of these people and things like that. And they pay like five figures, like low five figures for these companies in order to get them and have those capabilities within their system now. That's one way to do it, but it's not necessarily going to accelerate your growth. What you're looking for is a company that has revenue, they have customers, they have both past and present customers, and that comes with past performance as well. So you're looking for that. And look, let me tell you this, they don't have to be smaller than you. Most people think if you're acquiring a company, it has to be smaller than you. That's not necessarily true. You could buy a company that's actually bigger than you. I see that happen very, very frequently. What you're looking for is somebody that has customers. Customers means you can hit the ground running. It means that if there are existing contracts, which we'll get into in a little bit, that there are options for putting more butts in seats or selling more products or services, whatever it may be. It just opens up the options. So I always like to see that the company you're acquiring has customers. That's number one. Number two, the capability to your company that you don't have today. Let's say you were in IT services and you worked with Microsoft Office 365. That was kind of the thing that you did, but you're like, hey, we want to expand into SharePoint, but we don't have any SharePoint people. Maybe you look for a company that has SharePoint experience. You know, they have past performance. They have customers with that. And that might be a way that you break into that. The second thing is a capability that you likely don't have today as a company. That's number two. Number three is the team. You want to make sure that they have a decent team. Now, this doesn't mean that it's every single employee on the team, because when you acquire a company, you don't necessarily keep every employee, but you want to make sure that the core team around the capabilities and around the customers, see, that's the key point there, how they all tie together. The key team that wraps around those capabilities and customers is going to transition to the new company as well as their awesome people. Like they are the core team of the entire company. They are what make the world go round, if you will, right? Those folks are critical to your success. Now, if you have people that maybe half of them aren't very good, you know, they're mediocre, maybe out of the, the second half portion of them are kind of getting to the point where like, they're probably going to retire, move on, or maybe they've been with the company for a while and it's kind of close to the edge of the typical retention rate of the company. So they're probably going to phase out. That's all bad signs. You're looking for a team that's going to be strong, stay with the company through the transition and help you excel and cross train the rest of your team. If you're bringing in new capabilities, you either want those people to run those capabilities in your new company or cross train the team if they decide to leave or something like that. So you want them to stick around at a minimum so that your team gets up to speed on what the other company was doing before. 
Did you know we have our own government contracting community? It's called Federal Access. And inside Federal Access, you have all the tools, tips, strategies, documents, templates, everything you're ever going to need to be a government contractor. But you also get brought into our ecosystem. You get into our private LinkedIn group and you get into our live events and all that kind of thing when you become a member of Federal Access. To learn more, go to federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's get back into this episode. The next thing, and notice this is, it's sort of fourth on my list, but it's not necessarily, everything from here forward is not necessarily in a particular order, even though this one does show up fourth in my list, sort of. The financial health of the company. The company doesn't have to be super financially healthy. In fact, a company that's in a bad position, whether it's cash flow, debt, assets, liabilities, all those kind of things, it doesn't have to be in a great position. It just can't be a disaster. One of those things is looking at the debt. If a company has just outrageous debts that are out there, it's probably not a good decision to take that on if they don't have cash flow, income, assets to offset those liabilities. You have to take a look at the financial health and say, is this at a break even? That's kind of at a minimum what I'm looking for. Is this around break even? Where if I take this on and we don't grow, it's going to pay for itself given its current pace. And then the second half of that is if it is break even, that means if I can take control of the company and I can do things smarter than they were doing, it's only going to get more profitable. So I like to look for a break-even situation in the financial health so that the income is offsetting the liabilities and then you're in a pretty good place. Now, one of the things I want to preface here now that I've talked about finances is understand that this is all in a vacuum here today. I'm giving you some general thoughts and that doesn't mean go through this checklist and just go buy a company. You're going to need advice from professionals. Every situation is very unique. So don't take this as the advice of Mike said, just go buy it and it'll work. Not necessarily. Any one of the things I'm saying here could trip up the deal. And so you've got to pay attention to all these things. You've got to get custom advice based on your situation. That's my little disclaimer there that lawyers would love to hear that I dropped into this to make sure nobody goes out and buys a business just because they heard a podcast and thought, hey, that's a good idea. Okay, so let's move on. The next one is looking at the type of contracts that they have. Do they only have single award contracts? Do they have multi-year contracts? Do they have sole source contracts? Do they have IDIQ contracts? What type of contract mix do they have? The best situations are going to have a balanced mix of contracts. They're not going to be slanted one way or the other, but they will be focused on contracts that are creating consistent income, number one, and number two, that show opportunity. A lot of those will be in things that are IDIQs, where they've won the first round and now there's the option to go and chase more work. And it's a multi-year thing. You know, it's not just, hey, the next 12 months we can chase work. It's the next five years. That's a great situation to be in. And it's great to have some sole source stuff or some direct awards and things like that. Those are all great mixes to have, but things that are multi-year are obviously usually better. Things that are what you would think of more as a sole award, well, like it's a direct award is one company versus a vehicle. Those are going to be better as well. So the company won a contract. It's a five-year contract and you're the prime on that. 
that's a great situation to be in where you got a bunch of those. If you're in a situation where you're on an IDIQ as one of the subs, and that's kind of the full mix of what you're looking at, it's not ideal. It depends on the relationship with who the prime is and that sort of thing. But if you're not in the driver's seat on that stuff, I lower the value of those awards. That's another way that I typically look at it. Another thing to consider is certifications and will those certifications map over? Depending on how you're doing the acquisition, if it's a WSB and you're a WSB, that's going to be great. But if there are things like the 8A program or SDVSB and you're not SDVSB and you can't map that over, then those certifications, those possible contracts that the company may have, those things in their pipeline, none of that stuff may matter anymore. So you've got to take that into consideration when you're looking at transitioning. Another thing to consider is does the company have have a facility clearance. And if so, will that be something new that you're adding to your business? Can you easily add that? Can the people on your executive team qualify? Because there's the key personnel that need to get qualified for that on your team. Will that be an issue? Will you be out of work or have to pull people out of their billets for some amount of time while you get that done? There's a lot of timing that is involved around that. Is the majority of the work they were doing cleared? That could be a positive. It could be a negative, depending on, again, where you want to focus and what you want to do. A lot of times that is a valuable asset to bring into your company that they already have that and you're basically acquiring your clearance, but there's still paperwork involved. It's not as easy as just, well, let's go write a check to the bank. We own the company. Now we have the FCL. There's paperwork involved. So you've got to be aware of what that paperwork is, what that looks like on the back end. The next thing is your teaming partners, and this will include JVs, includes mentor protege, all those sort of things. Does the company have a good stable of teaming partners? Are they working under a mentor protege right now? Do they have any existing JVs? Again, will those things map over? I was reviewing an agreement the other day for a client. And one of the things in there, they are one of the subs basically on the JV, but typically even though you're a sub on the JV, you're still kind of a partner in the JV, if you will. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of this, but I just want to point out that like in that situation, anytime an acquisition would happen of one of the JV members, all of the others had to approve it. So it wasn't a gimme. If your company is operating under a JV, there could be rules that limit them from being sold to you. They could have to be approved. The JV could say, well, you can go ahead with your sale, but you're no longer going to be part of the JV. We're just going to remove you from that because we're just not going to approve it for whatever reason. You just have to be aware of the language that's in those agreements and if that will be helpful or not. And I will say, look, if a company is working with a lot of different teaming partners, that's always a thumbs up for me. I love it when I see they're working with teaming partners where the teaming partners are bringing opportunities to them. They're bringing opportunities to teaming partners. That's a great thing to have in the market. And so I usually value that a little bit higher than some of the other things we've talked about here. The next one is their back office and their systems. Do they have a strong back office? I've seen a lot of companies that have a ton of contracts. And then when you look on the back end, you're like, this is a freaking nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. You know, when a contract is awarded, we don't have kickoff calls. They don't have a process. There's technically not a program manager or project manager following any of this stuff. They don't have their accounting in place. They don't have their cybersecurity stuff in place. It's just a nightmare in the back office. You want to look for companies that aren't perfect in that area, but have the foundation, or at least you can layer in what you're already doing in your back office. And that's ideally what 
you're going to see in a lot of those situations that will eliminate some of the overlap of employees and things like that. If you are going into a situation where their back office and their systems are total trash, that's part of or should be part of the value that you're acquiring is that they have their act together. You want to see that. And normally before a company goes into acquisition mode, somebody comes in, does evaluation. And then once they've kind of done that, they give some advice on, hey, here are the holes that are going to make you unattractive to buyers. You need to fix this. And hey, your back office is trash right now. Your accounting system, all this, it's trash. You're going to have to fix this before we put you out on the market. Which leads me to the valuation and negotiations piece. Everything is part of the negotiation. Everything can be negotiated from the price to how much of the company you're buying. You may say, look, you're running a $40 million company with 50 employees and you have three product divisions. And look, we've taken a look through this and we only really want these 10 employees in this one product. That's all we want. You can say that. Everything is a negotiation when you get into a sale. Now, will somebody laugh at you and tell you to, you know, go fly a kite or whatever? Maybe absolutely that is going to happen or it could happen. It just depends on why they're selling, how desperate they are, all those kind of things. Everything is a negotiation. I'm not saying you should negotiate every single point, but everything is a negotiation. When I think about the negotiations, I always think focus hard on price. So when you're going through and you're looking at everything in the company, all the things I've listed, the financial health, the type of contracts, the certifications, the teaming partners, the team itself, the capabilities, the customer base, past and present. When you're looking at all of that, take that into consideration and negotiate hard on price. So if they're asking a million dollars, go in at half a million and see where you can settle. Maybe you settle at 800,000, but you save 200 grand. You save 20% off the price. Negotiate hard on the price. Don't just give it up and focus on, again, the tangible things. Hey, look, this is the revenue you're making today. This is what your projection and your pipeline really look like. Go in there with facts when you make your offer. The right company will give at least a little bit. In that way, again, you're not paying full price for something that's out there. Look, we're in an interesting economic time. And when I look at what you can do to make money, it's buying correctly. Buying correctly is always the thing, whether it's a house, a car, or a business, or even stocks and bonds, right? If you buy it correctly, then later on, if you decide to sell it, later on, as you're trying to grow it, you're just going to have all of that extra cash in your pocket. And that's what it's about. I think all of these will help you make a better decision if you're thinking about acquiring a company. If you need resources for this, I do know a handful of people in the market that advise on this. We know banks that get involved in this as well. So just reach out if you are looking at buying a company. I'd be happy to refer you on to someone who is an expert in this area who can take you down the rabbit hole and make sure you're making a good decision. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.